listening to the Yoel Omowale podcast. So um, most episodes I have brought on a guest. This guest is really special. Uh, yeah, everybody says that for every guest, but I really, really mean that. Um, today's guest is, um, wow, how, where do I start? She has a huge heart she has a has been a, a light and an encouragement to me uh her name is Ritania Bashir. i met her um in a group that i happened to be in i discovered i kind of stumbled upon this group um on on um in facebook and i, I actually won't mention the name of the group because it's not really that important to mention the name but it was a, a kind of a social um justice space particularly for people who identified as black and christian uh who are trying to explore what does the gospel or their faith uh say about um, the dignity and especially in the context of a Christianity that was uh, dominated by um, a kind of um, white nationalist rhetoric and so essentially how do we liberate ourselves as it relates to our blackness and our faith that's the you know, sort of the, the purpose of the group and so you know it's a mixture of different people that I was coming across mostly based in America and I'm you know, based over in the UK as a black Christian, but still wrestling with and having these difficult questions about what does my faith mean and the history of my faith and so on. And so I came across um, Britonia from then and, um, and, you know, discovered quite a bit about her that was quite unique. So, you know, she's um, a woman who's 64, so she's, and she's lived um, a life in the church, which we're gonna get into, she's gonna tell her story a bit. But I thought to myself, um, it's interesting how our friendship has blossomed, despite the fact of the massive age gap um, and, and I say massive, it's, it's, you know, it's important to me to, to highlight this purely because it really does show that you can find companionship and, and you can connect to people, this, you know, despite what you're, how far apart you think your age is, um, that really ultimately doesn't determine whether or not you can find, um, you know, so much common ground with, with someone and so much, um, and, and so much of that has been, uh, really uh healing for me so with all of that said please uh just i'd like to welcome to my audience Britannia Brashear. hi y'all how are you and <laughs> thank you so much for for that uh you know beautiful introduction i don't usually get one like that so 
<laughs> I know, and I just decided off the top of my head, you know what, this is, you're special to me and I really wanted, um, yeah, the audience to be aware of that. So I thought it would be a nice place to, to pivot from, um, maybe if you could kind of give the audience a little bit of the context of your background where you're from and what your traditions what your know, traditions you were steeped in because i think that's so important to your story oh, awesome well i'm originally from california i am a california girl mm -hmm. uh, compton california was where i was raised uh, from a long tradition mm -hmm. of black uh pentecostal uh the 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 uh form that are that are um um, uh, ministry was, was, was Kojic, which means Church of God in Christ, which uh, actually was a break off of the Assemblies of God, right? Uh, if you know anything about uh, Azusa Street, uh, uh, had uh, relatives that were that participated, ancestors now, that participated in Azusa Street. So long line lineage of uh, what we used to call Holy Ghost filled <laughs> Christians. Um, uh, and uh, mother was a minister, um, uncle was a minister. Uh, so just, just a lot of rich uh, tradition there. Um, went to a Assembly of God Bible School um, in Costa Mesa, California met my husband through uh, a church that we all went to uh, and he that had multiple locations around the country uh, met at a kind of youth um, gathering in annapolis maryland uh, in uh, 1976 um, got married in 1978 moved to um, kansas city stayed there for about two years then moved to oklahoma uh, was in a church with uh, my original pastor that I've been raised by since I was probably maybe 10 or 11, who had connected with a um, white pastor. Um, uh, and uh, so we moved to Oklahoma to help them him establish kind of a, um, a, a partnership with uh, that mm -hmm. particular ministry. Um, was there for about 11, 12 years, and then moved to uh, a church called uh, Harvest, uh, which I ended up staying there for 27 years. So that's a little bit of my background. So yeah, which was a predominantly white church. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, thank you for explaining that. I, and it's been helpful to summarize because um, I like hearing the journey where where people end up going because I think sometimes we um, don't acknowledge how important migration or just moving to different parts um, of a country or parts of the world can impact um, who we Absolutely. are and or, or faith or spirituality is um, interesting you said you started out in Compton California um, you know, and when I think of California, my mind automatically kind of thinks about um, Hollywood, thinks about yes. um, even th thinks about some um, like, for instance, you mentioned Compton. I think about um, hip hop mm -hmm. as well from, you know, the, that, that side of uh, and so and so it's kind of and the impact that plays as, you know, in, in developing the kind of culture around you so it sounds like you you probably had a very as you said you were in a black pentecostal space um with 
several family members who are very steeped in in black kind of Pentecostalism and then eventually found yourself going to Kansas. And I, if, I, if I'm if i not correct, I know you said you were there for two years, but that is quite a... Yeah, about two um, or three years. Yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, yeah about about two or yeah. three years we were there. And then that, that's where my yeah. husband is originally from. And he's a teacher. And so right. then we moved to, you yeah. know, good old Oklahoma is where I am now. So Yeah, yeah. So Oklahoma, wow. I mean, there's so much we could say about <laughs> Oklahoma. But um, for, for me... I, you know, as like I've told you before, off record, I, I grew up in, in mm -hmm. Jamaica and um, I already, when I was growing up, heard quite a bit about some influential ministers that came from that area. Um, so, you know, there were obviously his, his, historically going back, obviously there are people like Bishop Carlton Pearson. Yes. Um, if I've got that right, he was had a base mm -hmm. there. Um, or Oral Roberts, is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so these names come to my head because they they form they were a formative part of um, just growing up in a charismatic church in the in the in the Caribbean. So many of our leaders, some of, some of our most senior pastors, went across to um, Oral Roberts, the university that was founded there, and and so rub shoulders with with um with some of these uh, perhaps as some of the ministers that you were aware of so i'm you know i'm, I'm already intrigued <laughs> to uh for you to just talk a little bit about some of your um you know just 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 being in that cultural space and being um alongst or i guess it being influenced by the christian heritage in oklahoma you have any reflections on that and how that impacted your your faith at that uh, time yeah uh so you know um Growing up, I was, you know, steeped into Black Pentecostal, which is very, very different mm -hmm. when you move over into a non-denominational kind of frame, right, framework, uh, which is when we moved mm -hmm. uh, to um, uh, Kansas City, uh, we began to be more a part of that, even though the pastor that I was raised with, uh, who's passed and who's deceased now, was not necessarily affiliated are under the umbrella of of the uh, Kojic Church, but our style was very, very much that way, right? But when we moved mm -hmm. to uh, Oklahoma and merged with this particular white uh, uh, church, which was really off uh, coming off of, because it was in the, I think it was in the late um, middle mid 80s, right? So in the 70s, you know, there was this whole thing about, you know, uh, the 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 uh, integration of the churches, right? So, you know, that, you know, God mm -hmm. sees all and there shouldn't be, you know, a lot of quoting going on about, you know, Sunday morning being the most segregated time of the week, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of mm -hmm. integration, but what was very interesting about the integration, it was only black people and brown people integrating into white spaces right it was never mm -hmm. the other way around right it wasn't white people mm -hmm. coming into black and brown spaces to see how we worshiped right it was us going into mm -hmm. their spaces and what i realized in going into their spaces was that there was a lot that we had to um suppress right uh moving mm -hmm. into uh white spaces and now the word that they used a lot was you know the culture of our church so what the culture of our church is different mm. right and so what that meant is mm. that 
uh, for me, I just have to talk to about me personally. What that meant for me is that the exuberance in which I worship God was no longer allowed. Right. Uh, the, uh, the fervent, uh, uh, you know, um, worshiping with our whole bodies kind of thing was, was frowned upon, right. That, that was considered that you weren't, you didn't, you didn't have control, right. You needed to be a little bit more you know, uh, subdued so that you don't scare people away. Got that a lot. Um, but what I also loved is that, you know, you talked about Bishop uh, Carlton Pearson. So Bishop Carlton Pearson was from uh, California as well, right? And so we had okay. crossed paths with his family, Andre Crouch, Billy Preston, all of these famous Catherine Coomer, you know, all of these people were a part of my childhood, mm -hmm. right? And so reconnecting, mm -hmm. uh, when I came to Oklahoma, the pastor that uh, I eventually stayed in a uh, community with their church for 27 years had connected with, mm -hmm. or, with Earl Roberts and then in return, uh, Carlton Pearson. So that, so I actually reconnected with Carlton, you know, cause we were both young. He's a few years older than me, but we were both young. And so we, you know, connected and went, oh, okay. You know, our families know each other because of the richness of our, you know, um, religious um, heritage, right? And so there, yeah. so, so there was moments where being black in white spaces was allowed when you, brought in big names like Carlton Pearson, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. When you brought in uh, big names like uh, 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 um, Joe, Joe, I mean, uh, not Joe, but uh, uh, John Gray, or, you know, so there was, you know, that was acceptable once or twice a year uh, to just let go and let loose uh, because, you know, you had a renowned black preacher that everybody liked, right? Uh, which mm. at first didn't bother me, but after a while, it, it really began to, I, I just saw this pattern of every year. Cause you know, when you're in those spaces, I was in one space for 10 years and then another space for 27 years. So 37 years, so most of my adult life, right? In white church spaces. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it it's very interesting how much you, double, uh, you know, um, minimize yourself when you're in your those spaces as a black person trying to fit in to, you know, what mm. they think is most godly, right? Wow. So that there's so much in what you just said that I feel like we are going to have a feast trying to, you know, pull it out, pull it all, you know, pull it all out. Um, but you, you mentioned about this sense of black invisibility in white spaces and especially for you coming out of a heritage that was so uh, rich vibrant dare i say unapologetically yeah. black mm -hmm. in in in, the, in a sense and then now finding yourself in in spaces where on one hand you are hearing a message of we need to unite the races we need to have blacks and whites coming together um you know during our sunday services rather than this you know we know the famous quote you know um that uh, sunday sunday high noon is the most segregated yeah. hour of um in, in america because the churches typically didn't 
didn't meet, didn't didn't right. mix. Right. Um, whites wouldn't have the blacks. And actually, it's important to, to make it known that it's that white churches didn't allow black people to, to be in their right. churches. That is essentially why there needed to be a black Absolutely. church. So yeah. I think it's important that people get that get the record right. straight. This is not, some, oh, you know, black people didn't want <laughs> white people in, in their churches um, as the as the initial reason. Right. Of course, some of them would, would not have wanted, um, you know, whites in their churches for fear of um, attack and so right. on. But let's just get that right. record straight. So, and then you find yourself now in these environments where, okay, fine, black people may be allowed to be there but not on their own right. terms. In a sense, there had to be some sort of um, respectability really at play in terms of uh, how much how much of you, um, the whole of you, right. would right. be accepted to be. So it, so, yeah, well, it was on. almost like you could, so, so you couldn't bring your whole mind, soul, spirit and body, right? It Come was on. just, yeah. You know, you you know, you need to bring your mind. You know, that's that's what mm -hmm. we want. Uh, you need to bring your spirit. Yeah. But that body thing, y'all need to leave that stuff alone, right? That intimidates us. Right. You know, uh, the yeah. shaking and the gyrating yeah. and the hallelujah and all the things that 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 black people do when we get excited, right? You know, you know, right. uh, which is which actually fills the room with joy a lot of times, right? And so, mm -hmm. so, so when you you know that's where i think we get the hashtag black joy from right uh when you mm -hmm. you see this this you know we're supposed to be worshiping the most high right and you mm -hmm. you feel you have all these feelings but in white church you really could not at least the white churches that i was in i don't you know i can't speak for all white churches i haven't been to all of them but the ones that I were around for 37 years, that just wasn't acceptable, right? You know, it had to be in a mm -hmm. dignified, orderly manner. They talked mm -hmm. about order a lot, right? This order that had to mm -hmm. always happen, right? And yeah. And after a while, you begin to realize this is actually man-made order, right? Like this is not, uh, mm -hmm. this is not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, spiritual order. This is what makes mm. these particular people feel most comfortable, right? And what I realize mm. in white spaces is for black people and brown people, but in particular the black people because that's who I am, we were always mm -hmm. underly conscious of making sure that we did not make whiteness uncomfortable, right? Because there was a price to pay, you know? You would have to go talk to the pastor or somebody got their feelings hurt or what did you really mean by that? So there was just a lot of that under, you know, it was never, it was never like spoken. It was an unspoken thing that black people knew mm -hmm. that when they were in those spaces yeah. that, you know, expressing their, their joy and love and admiration mm -hmm for the divine was not totally accepted in the ways in which we were used yeah. to doing. Yeah. No. Right. So, you know, as, as you're saying that, um, what comes to mind is it sounds like for black people in those spaces, they kind of lived a sort of disembodied experience. Yeah. So, 
your, as you said, the soul course you needed to get your soul right, saved. Right. <laughs> your mind in terms of convincing you, um, well, it was a number of things, but there, in a sense, there is a kind of cultural um, assimilation happening or at least some kind of conditioning happening um, where you are understanding what is required of the of you as the way you should think as a black person so there's a kind of mental conformity sometimes happening uh, under the surface as well but this disembodiment i i wonder if you could also pivot a little bit to talk about maybe some of the ways you started to realize that the church didn't seem that interested in the black body um beyond just um, allowing it to express the right. joy and express spirituality in the way that it, um, you know, is is normal or feels, you uh, feels right for the black body. But say some of the the cultural issues that tended to affect um, black bodies, right. um, some of the issues in society as it relates right. to right. police violence and so right. on. Well. I just wondered if you might be able to touch on how they, the yeah. church yeah. Yeah, well, seemed to be. You know, my church really, uh, the church I went to, uh, really prided themselves in being a, you know, multicultural, you know, you know those, those words, are, you know, uh, um, a church. And, and about six years before, I really started my own journey out of, you know, of liberation, right? I, I begin to question and ask, you know, you know, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, us being all inclusive and all this kind of stuff, but I don't see anybody that is of color that are actually in power. Now, I'm not talking about secondary power where you go carry out the wishes of the past, right? But I'm talking about in the meetings when it's time to decide what we're going to talk about, what we're going to focus on in the church, that kind of thing. There were never ever any black people in those meetings. So fast forward uh, 2016. Uh, and I had, you know, asked a lot of questions and well, God, you know, well, we're just following the Holy Spirit and doing what God said, which means shut up and you don't ask us those questions. Because if I tell you we're following the Holy Spirit, that's not a question you need to ask me, right? And I got that. I mean, I got that subliminal message. But uh, 2016, when Alton Sterling and uh, Fernando Castile were murdered by state-sanctioned police. Now, I had a reaction in Mike Brown. I had a reaction with uh, uh, Tamir Rice. Uh, Sandra Bland, you know, several reactions, but for some reason, the one that uh, was Alton and and uh, Fernando just took me to a place that I was not able to return back to just life as normal, right? So, you know, going back to church and, you know, so I had, I just, <clears throat> I began to ask the people around me, you know, um, what did you think? You know, isn't this 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 uh tragic oh yeah Britannia, it's so tragic i said okay so are we going to talk about this oh no 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 you know i mean we'll, we're gonna pray but you know we're not gonna you know we're not gonna talk about it but we're especially not gonna talk about it openly right uh and so i began to go on a journey myself and uh just started reading a lot more than what i had been about um white supremacy mm. and racism, right? So for me, when I Googled racism, I was really surprised that the first thing came up was white supremacy. I was like, ooh, wow, 
And that's a strong word, right? Because, you know, people didn't use that word. They didn't use white supremacy, right? Uh, we use uh, uh, we use uh, prejudice and racism and that kind of thing, right? But we didn't use the word white supremacy. So I did a whole bunch of research on that. And I was like, wow, this is really deeply ingrained in the culture of my country, right? Which I already knew. My, my grandmother, my mom had already told me you know we 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 lived it right we said you know i'm from compton i know how the police interacted with us and it was never ever a positive thing right and so i started talking about that to just different friends in the church one of them being the pastor's wife mm -hmm. and basically what i got from my sisters in christ white sisters in christ was this is not the normal this doesn't happen all the time. This is rare. It's really sad, but it's rare. And I said, it's not rare. <clears throat> and so they were like, well, what do you mean, Tanya? I said, okay. I said, I'm going to start posting some things. And I did. I went on, and I can't even, y'all, I can't remember the name of the website. I don't follow it anymore. But there was a website that really told you every time that there was a police sh shooting of an unarmed black or brown person, right? And I found myself posting almost every other day or at least two or three times a week, right? And so what I began to get from my friends at church was, oh my God, why are you so angry? Why, why are you doing this for Tanya? And I said, well, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I want to share with you guys that this is not a obscure thing that happens. This happens all the time in the black and brown community but because you're not adjacent to that you don't you don't see that you don't get to see that right uh and me i had i had removed myself a lot from the black and brown community because i was wrapped up in my church you know uh, uh we were very very devoted uh on all of the all of the different you know leadership teams and, and you know how churches sometimes uh it, it can consume you right so outside of your work yeah. and your family that's all you ever do is connected to church and there was this unspoken word of uh, feeling that that was all you were supposed to do right you were supposed to have your family and have your job in church and then that was it so there was supposed to be no outside um uh, uh um you know uh activity really you know uh yeah. so so for me it was a blow to me because as i began to post these things i began to realize because <clears throat> i was far removed from compton by that time right i had been mm -hmm. gone for almost 40 years so i was really removed from that and um so it brought me back to you know, those times um, when, you know, I was around doing the Watts Riot, right? Uh, I was young, but I was there. My mom, we were all there. My grandmother was 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 a, a part of the local civil rights movement in the Compton and, and Watts area, right? So I knew all wow. these things were real and true, right? But now I'm standing, mm -hmm. talking to my white friends who are supposed to be Christian and love me, and I'm having to prove to them that what I'm saying is true. Mm. That really began to wake me up when I had to start proving it. Wow. 
like an alarm bell just yeah. dingling. It really did. Like, you know, when the conversations yeah. were, you know, well, how do you know? Well, what about, what did he do? That kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah, that's, um, I'm somewhat, um, I'm just kind of taking it all in. I'm just, I'm kind of I'm feeling the emotions of, of what it must have felt like to be in that kind of space, in that kind of place, and your theology or your sense of what you think you believe, um, your faith and the shared faith you have with these people should should generate a sense of empathy, yes. a sense of interest in in this because this is this is real but somehow because it wasn't real or because it never happened to them therefore yes. it's, it's rare, rare. It, it's yes. not that's that the standard right. is is their experience right. they weren't they weren't then seem to be able to to actually get into your experience or to or to value your viewpoint your experience enough to believe this must be this should be important to me at least to hear out and to understand and to believe the the impact of this and and to see well what does my what should my faith inspire me right. now to to do in response right. um to this to this to you know of course it seems that you know you mentioned you you told someone who was quite senior so it's not like you were just having conversations with people who didn't have any influence and even at at the most senior level the indifference um was was just as you know, just just as high and so that must have been humiliating for you um you know just this sense of i trust or i feel entrusted i'm supposed to be as you mentioned in christ family right, with these people right. so all the things yeah. we were taught you know we are family this the, the church is the family that's your family you can always come to us you know we are there you know and when that got tested <laughs> a brown race right it got tested around race it was very clear yeah. that that wasn't true and I realized that it wasn't true because it made them too uncomfortable, right? And so I, I began to wonder, okay, so why are you so uncomfortable? Well, you know, as I did, as I continue to, to, you know, go on my journey and read more books and listen to podcasts and, you know, I was, um, to be very honest with you, Joel, for about three to four months, I was really consumed. I read about 30 to 60 books within a six week period. And I, I'm a reader, but I'm, I don't really read that, you know. I, I love to read. I'll, I usually read like 12 to 10 books a year. But I don't read 40 to 60 books in, you know, six weeks. So so I was really, really, I was staying up all night. And it was like, I was like, it was like my eyes were open, right? Like, And then I started feeling really guilty. I started feeling guilty that I had put, I had removed myself, right? I put myself in white spaces. I was around all of these people uh, believing that they loved and cared for me because that's the things that they told me that they loved and cared for me, right? But I also hadn't uh, given them anything that made them uncomfortable, right? <laughs> I hadn't, I wasn't talking about racism. I wasn't talking about white supremacy on my Facebook pages. So then I began to get a lot of well you're not talking about us are you you don't mean us when you say that right so then i start talking about the race about racism and its connection to 
to church. And that that began to really make them mad, right? So I be, I saw some really um, hurtful things as I began to connect, you know, the systems of church with, with the empire and how the empire, uh, this empire had held up, uh, you know, racism and and uh, harm the marginalized. And even though we give, uh, say to a, you know, a project overseas or the inner city, right? We, we you know, we feel good about all of that kind of stuff. We really uh, didn't want them in our churches. We really didn't want to be in their spaces, it, like living around them and living with them, right? Like we, we can, we'll go over there and give them, you know, some toys and <laughs> some food, some socks and some shoes. But yeah. we're not, you know, we're not inviting you over for dinner and sit down and watch a movie with you. Mm. We ain't doing that, you know, so. But if, and if we do do that, yeah. then we tell everybody, look how good I am. I let them come over to my house mm. and eat dinner with me, right? And you didn't say it that way, but you did, right? So there was a lot of that. I remember the pastor had invited um, a young man that had gone. So our church had a school connected to it first through 12th grade. Uh, and he, there was a young black man who had some family struggles. And so they had invited him because he, he had gotten close to his son. And so they invited him to live with them for a year. And I'm going to tell you what that pastor, the pastor talked about how they opened their home to this poor young black boy. And it just would turn my stomach every time I heard it. Like... You know, first of all, maybe the young man don't want everybody to know that, right? And you're in church and you're saying this, you know. Uh, and of course, the young man, you know, went on to go to college and do well. And, you know, uh, um, but he only stayed with them a year. So one year of his life, and the pastors took credit for all of his accomplishments because he lived with them for one year. You know, he came to live with our family. Wow. Look how wonderful we are. And look what he's become. I think he's a doctor now. Look what he's become. <laughs> but I was like, wow. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, I mean, and it might be helpful for you to define that phenomenon to to the audience because I think most, many of my audience may be familiar with the notion of, um, I guess, you know, white saviorism. Yes. This, that performative, um, you know, allyship or whatever where it's, it's quite easy for people who imagine themselves as well it's their duty to to perform these acts so that they can be seen as and take the credit right. for for whatever transformation that that occurs right. so that that's just just yeah just such an example of yeah that. well you know so and I didn't really realize it until I really started digging deep myself that it was mm. so it's it's acts of service right but you do those yeah. not to necessarily help the people that the acts of service is for you actually do those things to make yourself feel good that's what I had begun to realize because you know if you're doing acts of service, why do you have to, you know, uh, have a camera with you and put it on Facebook right after you do it? 
look what we did, you know, kind of thing. So what I did one time is I asked the pastor about the acts of service. I said, I understand that you are doing good deeds and I don't have a problem with that. I said, but you also go into the voting booth and you vote for things that harm the people that you just got through doing good deeds for. Oh Lord. So I would like to mm. ask you why. And of course he, you know, well, you know, he, it, it came back to the, um, I vote according to my conscience, right? And, it, you know, I'm not going to vote for someone that I think that is going to promote abortion or homosexuality. Those were the two, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> buzzwords, right? And I was like, mm. and I used to accept that years ago, um, uh, y'all. But more recently, mm. uh, you know, in the last six years, I realized that's an excuse. That's, um, mm -hmm. and first of all, when you go to vote most of the time, um, abortion is not on the ballot, okay? So you're not both voting for that, right? Uh, whether or not homosexuals can marry, go to the bathroom, trans people can go to the bathroom, it's actually not on the ballot. But what you're voting for is uh, 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 politicians who uphold those things that you still in inherently believe, right? So you believe that homosexuality is a sin. You believe uh, that uh, uh, abortion is a sin. And so you align yourself with those people, right? No matter what policies and laws that they, and I noticed that you had posted something today about that kind of thing. No matter what laws and policies mm -hmm. that they are putting in place that actually harm the mar marginalized and the vulnerable, right? Uh, for you, you feel like, I'm, well, I'm good as long as I know that they are, those main things that are important to me, right? They are holding up. Yeah. So, so, so I think saviorism kind of goes along with that in a way that so you're going over to other countries and you're promoting, you know, you need to be a Christian. And yet a lot of these uh, uh, people that go over there, a lot of these, uh, they actually are doing more harm than they are good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they are, um, you know, trying to tell people that this is a way that you need to don't, this is a way that you need to uh, uh, um, worship God, right? If you worship God this way, it's wrong. You need to worship God in a white, colonial, uh, westernized way. That's the only right way in which to worship the divine, right? And that is literally harmful for people whose culture is not the same. So, so I, you know, when I start talking about those things, Joel, uh, it, it really started making people mad. And I was asked, I was literally asked to be quiet, which doesn't mm. really fit well with me. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the room with someone asking you to be quiet. I'm just like, <laughs> that really didn't sit well with me. So I was like, okay, oh, so no. I'm going to really start talking now because you asked me to be quiet, well. right? Uh, I, I, <laughs> one incident happened. I was at a Bible study with and 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 this is all going to be in 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 the book that i'm writing but i was at a bible study with some women that i you know had had considered very dear and close friends 
And I had just did a post and some things on on uh, the church and is the church really really doing the work uh, the works of Jesus, right? Are they is that, are 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 is the church, you know, a business machine, right? And so I was talking about that, and I I, I was just probing. I was asking questions, right? And when I got to the Bible study, before I could sit down, good, they all said to me, "So that post, who were you? What church were you talking about?" And I said, any church that it fits. If you know, if it doesn't fit your church, then I'm not talking to you. But if it fits your church, then maybe you ought to think about it. You know, and mm. it, it turned into we never did have a Bible study. It turned into this huge uh conversation about, you know, we're just supposed to love each other and just, you know, just those kinds of things. A lot of gaslighting went on that day, right? Uh, mm. uh and I realized that was the actually the last time I went to that Bible study. I realized that that wasn't something that I needed to do anymore. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, then I was, you know, I was, I was in danger of lo- losing my salvation because I wasn't going to go to the Bible study anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm just. I, I, I'm trying to gather myself because part of me is just like, it's, it's so cultic. It is in terms of the. Yeah, the way it is. But at the time when you're in it, you don't even see it. Like as, don't. As a, you don't see it as cultic. And then the people themselves, they don't see how that behavior is is just so deeply entrenched. And oh, yeah. so what I'm interested in finding out about now is, so you've you've clearly been wrestling with this um, hypocrisy or this this disconnect what impact did that um start to have on your own personal faith and your own personal spirituality given you were you know you grew up in this as this pentecostal christian you have your faith your beliefs you have your questions now and things are kind of you're feeling all this these these challenges just talk us through what happened for you personally as it relates to your faith in the, in the midst of all of well this. you know the 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 more i saw how entrenched the church was in upholding white supremacy and the harm mm-hmm. and the marginalized people the it was really hard for me to grasp you know being you know this loving god that i was told about right and yet all of these people that are supposed to be representing this loving God, you know, from the beginning of the, and I'm just talking about this country, from the beginning of this country, there was nothing loving about that. There was nothing inclusive about that, that uh, they used mm-hmm. the Bible to, to you know, to keep uh, people oppressed and, and marginalized and uh, to call the Native American savage and killing and steal their land and, you know, manifest destiny and all the things that's wrapped up in, you know, theology, right? And so I just really begin to, I begin to sit back and just listen a lot. Um, uh, I, I, I knew once I left the white church that I would never go back to another white church, right? I knew that, right? Mm-hmm. That was never, but I did still want community, right? I still wanted to go to church. And then let's put in misogynistic uh, attitudes, uh, uh, homophobic 
uh, 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 patriarchy that we see in the black church, right? And so I'm going, mm. okay, well, so I know I don't want to go to white church anymore, you know? And I still have a deep desire to express my faith in church, right? Because that's how we're taught the way, that's the way that we're taught that we can express ourselves, right? That we're doing God's mm -hmm. work. So when we're at church, we are taught that we're obeying God when we're doing the stuff that the pastor tells us to do, right? And so it was really hard mm -hmm. to separate those two things. You know, you thought, and I know people that still believe that today, is that you thought the works that you did in church was the works, was, was what made you on the good side or faithful or worthy of God's love, is the things that you did in church. So when I began to realize mm -hmm. that I had to decide about who I was, in my faith outside of the church because I realized that the church wasn't going to and when I say church I mean I actually mean Christianity okay because so, mm -hmm. to me they were the same right the church and Christianity was the same so uh um I had to decide if that's really what I wanted to continue to go after right um, mm. Do I still want to? Is that important to me? Uh, and, and and where I have landed uh, after about, so it's been about two years that I have really decided that I don't really feel the need to be connected to church. That doesn't mean I don't feel need to be connected to people. But I don't feel need to be connected to mm -hmm. the, the, the systems of church, right? Um, mm -hmm. That um, I have expanded my thinking about God or the divine, right? That mm -hmm. um, I have begun to be open in the last couple of years that mm -hmm. God can be our, our desire to, to be connected to spirituality and the divine can come from various different ways and that that there yeah. is not just one way. So let's just put it the way I, it, we need to say it, mm -hmm. that Jesus is not mm -hmm. the only way. And I know that oh, a whole Lord. bunch of people are gonna be pissed off at me when they hear your <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you said it and, and you said it on record yes. and so there are going to be people who, who will hear that. And I'm sure you said it to close friends, yes. people who are churched. Yeah. What's, what's been the response? So the response, well, how, how you know, the response has been very different. Um, uh, some people, now I don't, okay. So I always preference it with, I always preference it with this. I'm not telling you where you need to land, but I'm telling you where I land is okay for me. And mm -hmm. I don't want you as a person to try to, persuade me that the only way I can land is where you're landing, right? And I'm not going to do that for you either. So when I tell people that I don't believe that Jesus is the only way, you know, to heaven or wherever the hell we're going after we leave here, you know, which, you know, which I don't really care about. I'm a, I know that that's that just going to blow everybody. I don't really care about all that. I want to live a joyful, liberated, loving life. And when my life is over, then it's yeah. over. And, you know, 
who, who I'm gonna talk to about that when it's over? Nobody, right? So, so, yeah. so, so you know, because right. sometimes we are, you know, I remember, I remember my mother and my grandma used to say, you know, we are so heavenly bound that we are actually no earthly good. Oh Lord. Mm -mm. <laughs> I was like, we so worried about heaven, right? Yeah. Getting to heaven that we we don't do nothing down here that establishes you know love and joy and liberation for anybody because we're too busy mm -hmm. worried about heaven, right? Uh, and when you die, mm -hmm. you die, and whatever happens happens, and you know. Um, mm -hmm. But so I've had a, a multiple response, a vitriol. I've had vitriol responses. How dare you? Oh my God! I've had responses of. Okay, Ritanya, that's not where I'm at. And then I've had responses of, you know what, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I don't know if that's how I believe, but I understand you coming to that belief, right? So this is what I say to people. So if you believe that God is all loving, he loves the whole world, okay? And yet he has only made this one way that everybody in the world will be able to have eternal life. Mm. I just, I don't believe that anymore, right? Um, and it's taken me a while to to admit that I don't believe that because I haven't believed that in a really long time. But it took me a while to admit that I don't believe that anymore. Yeah, yeah. and so, and I'm gonna tell you, Three years ago, that would, would have been really scary and I wouldn't have said anything, even though I was on that yeah. journey three years ago, right? I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I it, it, but it, you know, I knew it was gonna alienate too many people that I love, right? Uh, too many people oh. in my circles, right? I mean, and you know, Joe, uh, yo, we talked about this, uh, you know, privately, is that we've seen people drop off of our lives because we have said, yeah. you know, I just believe that the divine is way broader than what we have allowed them to be, right? It's it's mm -hmm. it, it's more encompassing than that. The box mm -hmm. is 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 expansive, right? Matter of fact, there is yeah. no box, okay? Let's just get it right, let's get rid of mm -hmm. the box. And um <laughs> and I know a lot of people don't like that because it scares them. It makes them uncomfortable. They don't feel safe safe anymore, mm. right? Um, right. And, and when I finally realized, so I'm gonna go back a little bit. When I finally realized, because I for a really long time, Joel, I, uh, Joel, I was in the church, still trying to get my white friends to go on this journey with me, right? I was still. I stayed. Once I started my journey in 2016, I stayed 16 months longer than I should have. Because mm. I really couldn't wrap my head around these people that I had spent 27 years with did not want to see my full humanity and make mm -hmm. sure that the world was safe for black and brown people. I did, I did not want to believe that, right? And so I stayed, mm -hmm. which was really harmful for me. I shouldn't have stayed because the time, by, by the time I left, I was so mad. I was like cussing everybody out because <laughs> mm -hmm. I was so mad, right? Because I stayed longer <laughs> than I should, right? But yeah, I really think that for me, it was once I left and even though I went through, and I don't know if you felt this, but I went through a period of mourning when I left. You know, because it it, it mm -hmm. was it was 
a breaking off of a relationship, right? And it was a 27 year relationship. Yeah. And I and I broke mm. it off and I was the one that filed the divorce papers. <laughs> I broke it off. Oh, so, so mm. um, but there was a real time of mourning, right? And a real, real time where mm. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like, I didn't know what my future was going to look like. And that was scary. Mm. And then that's when I realized that that's why people don't want to change is because they're not, they're afraid of what's in front of them mm -hmm. if they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I decided I'm just going to jump off in the deep end because, because I surely, once, once your eyes are open, you, and that's in regards to social justice, but also in regards to uh, this westernized Christianity too. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. both of those things, right? So the justice came first, the, the Christianity came next, right? So I think it is mm -hmm. a, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I think when you start that dismantling of white supremacy, you're going to have to end up dealing with the Christianity part of it. Oh, Lord. Christian supremacy. We don't want to <laughs> have that conversation. But uh, it's real. And you connected the dots yes. there. You couldn't ignore the fact that you held a belief system that essentially incarcerated so much of the rest of the people around you who didn't happen to believe or practice faith in the way that you did and, and and if we're gonna be real with each other it wasn't just non-christians many of us harbored a, an understanding of our faith that we thought that even other christians or christ followers who didn't oh, quite yes. dot the i's and cross oh, the t's yes. in the right places Listen. as it relates to their theology were in danger oh, absolutely of, of well they're excluded. not you know i so i heard a lot of well you know they're not saved as we are what in the world does that mean mm -hmm. You, I, I never really understood what that meant, but I heard that a lot, right? Uh, within the, uh, within, okay, so I was, I, I was within the, um, uh, um, you know, loosely evangelical, uh, inter, inter, uh, inter, inter, inter non-denominational, interdenominational uh, circles, right? Because we had kind of all of that going on there. Yeah. Um, and in those circles, there was so much we're better than you going on in those circles. Mm -hmm. You know, because the Catholic people sure wasn't going to heaven and we weren't sure about the Episcopalians either, right? But within our own circles, right. there was so much we're better than you. We do it better than you. God mm -hmm. God speaks to us more. And I really, I'm sorry, I don't really believe God said none, none of them, but anyway. So <laughs> that's mm -hmm. a whole nother thing, you know. I was talking to a a, a friend, not to get off the, the, the path here, but we were talking about, you know, a lot of things were were held over our head and they used God yeah. said. And so you mm -hmm. could not, you couldn't say anything because God told them, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, so me as a woman that's 64 years old, who had been a woman mm -hmm. in Christianity for since the time. So I became a Christian when I was five, I got I spoke in tongues when I was seven. So it's a really long time, right? 
I don't think mm-hmm. I audibly heard God's voice. And don't get me wrong. I've seen angels. I've seen in the spirit world. I really mm-hmm. have. Uh, they was big, mm-hmm. black, and beautiful. But that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the story. <laughs> but but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have had inner feelings that I felt like I heard a voice in within, deep within my spirit, right? But I'm not, I ain't heard no big mm-hmm. audible voice outside, right? Of my, and I don't know yeah. if and if they have. I'm not going to dispute anybody's own experiences, right? But we're talking about mm-hmm. 50 years in this kind of space, mm-hmm. right? And I had never yeah. audibly heard. Now, I've had impressions where I felt like it was, you know, from God or the Holy Spirit or whatever name we want to put on that, right? Uh, and I'm real conscious of what mm-hmm. names I put on stuff now. I used to, you know, we, we throw around God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are really a lot. And uh, I think just like we say hello, right? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and um, but I but I just I don't know. I just felt like as I've walked on this journey, I've been been really uh, aware of when I want to interject that I believe that this was something that I felt the the divine told me or whatever, right? So now I say mm-hmm. things like, you know, this is these are my thoughts. You know, this is how I feel about yeah. it. Uh, I really feel deeply yeah. impressed. So I'm real careful now not to, you know, say mm-hmm. God told me kind of crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sorry if someone listens yeah. to this and think that's disrespectful, but that's just where I'm at, right? I just don't believe, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Your courage stands out to me. You. I, I know you're not looking for accolades, but I, I'm blown away by you. And, and, um, you know, you, you shared a story, you, you nuanced your life story. You, you made it so clear, your heritage, where you came from, your introduction to the faith, how much you loved your, your faith and your heritage and, and, and grow and grew and had a journey and an experience being planted out of your formative um, faith experience and then having had a protracted period in in a different setting uh, um, you know in a basically in a, in a spiritual setting that was different from what your earliest years were like but it it was it was like a mirror it gave you a chance to examine to investigate to to really work out internally like what you know where's my heart land on some of these some of these issues some of the disconnect the hypocrisy the ways in which my faith doesn't seem to or at least the you see it's it's, even the word faith can become difficult for, for people to to because i see you as a woman of faith nonetheless like your, your faithfulness your spirituality resonates so beautifully you're such a, a woman of courage you're such a woman of um of, of care and empathy it, it blows me away and and what what has happened you know sometimes the language we use uh, as it relates to um say moving away from a religious um faith is that people lose their faith well actually i don't think i think your faith has strengthened oh yeah it's just evolved outside of the casing the religious casing the sense that 
only um, orthodox or even just the, the label of Christianity can define what, what having faith means, that that's just clearly not uh, the case and you're just such an example of this. But the fact that you've also been able to go on this journey and come to this place at the age of in, in your 60s where most people that I speak to at this age or even dare I say even 10 years younger than you 15 years younger younger than you are pretty set in their ways the majority I don't have anybody in my life like you <laughs> that's just categorically the case you 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 are you stand alone on the you stand alone and so <laughs> alone and and honestly i really i believe in giving people their flowers and just and just saying telling the truth about how people i'm sorry i'm getting a bit emotional i feel like you've just stepped into my life and and just been a beautiful example of what what liberation really looks like that at any age if you just decide you know what i'm gonna step out and i'm going to allow the, the truth to set me free really the truth of the way that i'm i'm seeing and understanding the world and being willing to even still as you said you went from you, you I, I was actually trying to figure this out sorry if i feel like i'm going no you're the fine because I'm, 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 I'm also but it's like you know when when the negative experiences or that bible study pushed you out and then you went into this this period of of reading 30 books 30 to 60 books in in a number of weeks and i was kind of thinking what was going on there what what pushed you it's like your soul your spirit wanted to to dig deep and to, to, to you had some questions and you knew you just needed to to find um and seek out some things and i think spirituality to me is is this journey of of discovery it's it's rather than trying to say oh you know what i found the truth it's this it's right. this kind of willingness to, to keep, keep seeking, seeking to keep yes keep, yeah keep have an open mind and a willingness to let go some things that no longer serve you or some things that just you can't seem to reconcile or trying to reconcile them makes you less loving less open less you know it's like when james baldwin says things like you know what we hold on to certain ideas of god that are that are so so toxic mm -hmm. that actually that you know lead us to hate people that we don't understand right. or to be indifferent to the suffering of certain people but yet we have in our minds that no i have to hold on to this idea because if i if i let this go you know if, you know like with carlton pearson it was around you know reverend carlton pearson it was around this idea of hell mm -hmm. you know I, I remember watching the film about his life and how he wrestled with he this sure feeling did. i just don't mm -hmm. think that hell is this eternal place where all not people who don't believe as i believe yeah. um go and 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 in in him just admitting that he became literally like they, they just cut they him sure off did. they just said no we can't his and but his his ex i mean and he was still a christian at the time he still identified mm -hmm. as that mm -hmm. but he just his theology in that mm -hmm. one area he saw he had a vision of god that was just a bit more inclusive right than his denomination or his church or anybody around him were willing to to even possibly consider right. and that was enough for them to become so violent, so violent. in mm -hmm. their you know towards him to dismiss him to pull he lost everything, everything. he lost it all and, 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 mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so, you know, our conversation, the dialogue that we've been able to have both off the record and and on this um, podcast episode today, you know, I'm 36, you're 64, I live in the <laughs> UK, um, you live, you know, all the way over in, in, in Tulsa, and, and yet our lives couldn't be any more... Um, I mean, there, there's so much similarity. There's there's so much congruence in our in our experience, and I relate to so much of what you've said. And many of my audience members will be familiar with some of what I've said on on my own social media platform and some of my previous episodes where I've shared some of my own story. Right. Um, e- equally, like yourself, finding um, uh, you know taken on a a view of spirituality that's more expansive and even though i say and challenge and i put put forward ideas that people might perceive as being quote-unquote anti-christian right. um my, my heart really is i i want a version or a vision of spirituality that um you know that we can learn to embrace people regardless of what they absolutely absolutely understanding um, and uh, yeah, and I can hear that in you, but it's like, but being honest about where you happen to land and what, what seems, what is your spiritual vision and what your spiritual practice looks like and what is healthy um, for you yeah. and, and helps to enlarge your vision of the world. I know we're going to need to have another <laughs> conversation, well, more than, more than another one, um, where I'd love to bring you back for us to touch on other uh, other things and to certainly because i've I wrote an essay um yeah stench which i i'd love to have a dialogue in the future with you uh, i'd like to call it like some kind of transatlantic absolutely some of the experiences of racism but before we end this episode what i would love to be able to um to highlight if there is you mentioned that there is going to be a book that you're writing uh so we can um look out for for that is there anything else that you you do that you'd like to bring my my audience to attention uh, there are workshops and things that you do uh that people can follow um, and find out about anything upcoming so that they can sign up or just check it out okay yeah i uh i actually uh do a a group with white women it's an eight-week course called um looking at white women through the lens of little fires everywhere which is actually a program on hulu and i offer that series about three times a year it's an eight-week series and uh, i i usually share about that on my uh instagram called race talks with ritanya uh so you can go over there and kind of follow me there and then of course my facebook page is right right uh it's just ritanya uh and i do a lot of conversation uh also on that so yeah yes yeah we are in the yeah, we're in the beginning stages of that. I'm, I'm, I'm working with my editor now. And so, you know, it'll probably be out sometime the end of next year, but I'll keep everybody posted. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and certainly when your book does come out, we will be bringing you back. Absolutely. Thank you for being so generous with your time as well as just sharing your heart with us. Um, I am just, I feel so full, I feel so uh, lifted and embraced by, by your spirit. Um, and I, yeah, I, I look forward to further um, conversation and life together. 
Well, yes. Thank you so much, Joel. You know how, you know, you're dear to my heart. You're you're one of my sons. So I, I appreciate you wanting to spend time with this old woman. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We have come to the end of 2021. Um, <laughs> it has been um, quite the year on the heels of quite a roller coaster of, of a year before. So um, I don't know what 2022 looks like for you, but um, you know, I'm going to continue pressing forward. I have um, some new episodes coming out. The first one will be on the 7th of January with Reverend Jason Evans, and he's going to be talking about queer theology. Um, but before we get into the new year, I know this is, um, you know, a difficult time for many. Many of us have lost relatives, um, friends through the pandemic. And, um, and many of us are going to be, you know, charting new waters many unknowns and lots of uncertainty so uh, i hope you can uh, keep your family and friends close as you transition to the new year and uh, whatever that brings for you i just wish you prosperity and uh, hope and um, some peace of mind so thank you for journeying with me throughout this year throughout the latter part of the year when i launched the podcast and um and yeah, look forward to a year of more content, more conversation. All right, you take care and stay liberated. If you have enjoyed any of the episodes, please share them with your friends and family. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us anywhere at Yoel Omowale. <laughs>